Hey there, this is Jessica Stewart, and you are listening to Finding Your Calm with Your Teenager, episode number five. Anybody out there have trouble staying calm when dealing with their teenagers? I do. I did. And I truly believe that if you can remain calm when dealing with your teenager, you can pretty much remain calm in any situation. So that's what this podcast is about with myself, Jessica Stewart, a certified life coach and a parent to two boys. So listen in for my steps on how to redefine your job as a parent of a teenager and how to find your calm when dealing with them. Stay tuned. Hey there, welcome back. I am so glad you have joined me again. If you've been listening to the other podcasts, uh, we are talking about love today. And I did say in the previous podcast, I was also going to talk about boundaries, but I am not going to talk about boundaries. I changed my mind. I'm going to leave that for another separate episode all on its own. And this topic of love is such a big topic. As you probably already know, if you live in the world, there are books on the subject, songs on the subject. There's so many ways to talk about love. So I'm really going to just narrow it down into some specifics and some just ways you can think about it and some actionable things you can do right now in order to start loving yourself more and start loving your teenager more and really put this at the forefront of your relationship with them. So what we'll start with is the definition of it. So I looked up the dictionary definition of it and found it defined as an an intense feeling of deep affection or to feel deep affection for someone. It could be someone, it could be something. Um, But really today we're talking about someone. We're talking about people. We're talking about loving ourselves and loving others. But how do you really define love though? This is something I don't think I can actually distill down into just a dictionary definition. And so many people have different thoughts and ideas about what love means based on their own experiences about their lives. And also ideas that have been handed to them from other people, ideas that have been handed to them from what's in the movies, um, from their parents, from how they were quote unquote loved as uh, when they were growing up or just how people have shown love to them in the past or what they feel or believe as love. So we are always, in a sense, searching for love in one way or another, either for our, um, from other people or even from ourselves because of the way we think it's going to make us feel. So when we're in love, there's some certain way we're supposed to feel or we're supposed to know instinctively if we're in love with somebody. So there's many ways to look at it. I'm going to focus today more on unconditional love and really thinking about loving yourself and also love as it pertains to the relationship with your teenager. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time really talking about what love in and of itself is. What I do want to focus on is talking about 
unconditional love and also the idea that love is a skill that can be learned and we can learn to increase our love uh, capacity and actually our ability to love others and also to love ourselves. So none of the concepts I really share on anything I'm talking about, I would say are you know, truly original, just thought of by me. I just kind of add my spin to them. But this concept of love ability and unconditional love comes from the framework of coach certification program that I've taken. So it is, the credit goes to that framework. And a lot of what is done with coaching and the work that's done with coaching people really does come down to how do you feel about yourself, your ability to love yourself and to learn to love yourself by looking at kind of how you're not kind of, but how you're thinking and feeling about yourself and how you're thinking and feeling also about other people. So there's work to be done with yourself first and foremost, and then in conjunction with that, looking at your work that's to be done with other people. But really the basis of it is the work that's done with yourself. And I have said this before that sometimes people are like, oh, it's always, why do I have to work on myself? Um, You know, what about the other people? Why don't they work on themselves? It's so much work. And I get it. I feel this way a lot. But when I feel that way, or when I'm thinking those thoughts about doing work on myself, I'm constantly have to remind myself that the, it's the best news ever that so much can be done by the work we do on ourselves because that's really the only control that we have. We don't have a lot of control over what other people do. So when you have so much you can do for your own self, it's very a very empowering place to be. So next I'm going to just talk about why. Like you may be asking yourself, Why is it important? I mean, maybe not. It might be obvious why it's important to love yourself and love your teenager. Probably easier for you to think about or understand or know the importance of loving your teenager, but maybe sort of disbelieving the idea of loving yourself. Because I think when we get into the discussion about love yourself or you see the quotes, you know, love yourself first, that kind of thing. I know sometimes I get a little cynical about those quotes and I think, yeah, well, that's all right. I understand that as a concept, but I, can I actually feel that love for myself? So I'm going to argue that if you love yourself, then you have more capacity to love other people. And the reason I know this in my bones is that I know when I'm least loving to myself, when I'm feeling like I'm a bad mom or I've done uh, a bad job or I haven't made the right decision or I'm not having loving and kind thoughts about myself or not having any kindness and compassion towards myself, I don't have a lot of capacity to be loving towards my family towards my teenagers, towards anybody in my life when I'm feeling really down on myself. So check that out for yourself. Don't just believe what I say. Um, It's so important to kind of 
mull these concepts over and just really look at it in your own life. So the next time that you notice that you're having thoughts about yourself that are not kind, not loving, not compassionate, how is that making you feel in that moment? And is it in fact leading to an action that's more loving towards the people who are around you? I remember so very clearly being feeling awful about myself and then immediately kind of spewing my awful feelings about myself onto other people. When I don't feel good about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, I'm going to show up in a way that kind of proves that to be true. So just really test that out for yourself. The other reason that it's so important within the realm of dealing with your teenagers is that teenagers are at a time in their life, at least mine are, I'm not sure about yours, but um, they're at a time in their lives when they can be difficult to love. And I don't mean, I I don't really want to say that you know, we, we always kind of have in their back of our minds, of course we love our kids, of course we love our kids. But sometimes it's really hard to remember that and to return to that. I know at times it's difficult for me. They're they're at a time when their their behavior can be frustrating. Um, they're definitely not listening and doing or not wanting to do the things that you want them to do. They are not spending time with you in the way you want or the way you think they should. They're, they're at a time when it is challenging to love them. So that's the way you grow your skill to love people. And I'm not just talking about teenagers, but all people is when you're able to get better at loving people who are difficult to love in that moment, you increase your love and you just get better at loving people. You get better at loving in general. So the work you do with increasing your love and remembering your love with regards to your teenagers is such important work. So how do you do this? And the best way to start increasing your lovability, when we're talking about people who are difficult to love, yes, teenagers are difficult to love, but I think Uh, the most, the person that people find the most difficult to love is themselves. And which is why that's the other piece of this that's so important. And so start with yourself and switch to other people and practice with other people. So an example of changing your thoughts about somebody or um, how you think and feel about somebody, it can really happen in an instant from changing yourself to having really kind of anger thoughts about them to having really loving, kind, compassionate thoughts about them. So I just want to give you a few sort of concrete examples. So say that in maybe in your line of work or whatever you do in a day, say somebody's super angry and yelling at you. And then you discover after the fact that they just found out that a loved one just died or they just got a really bad diagnosis themselves, they found out some really bad news, and then your thoughts immediately changed about them in an instant. Nothing else changed. They still had that same behavior, they still had that same action that they did, and then you just had a different thought and feeling about this. The other concrete example I'm going to offer is 
say you're following a really slow driver and you're behind them, you're, you think they're making me late for work. Why are they even on the road? They shouldn't be driving. And then you go to pass them because you have an opportunity to pass their car. And then you look over and realize that they are an elderly person who looks just like a grandparent that you love so much. And then you can instantly change your thoughts about them just in an instant. Nothing changed. They didn't start driving faster. They did not comply with your request with mind control that they drive faster. That never works. But you changed the way you were thinking about them. So this is the power of changing your thinking. Okay. The other example that is given from uh, Tara Brock, which is one I love, is about having a dog who is that you go up to a dog and they're like growling at you and you're kind of approaching them and you can't really see but you're you're approaching them you know they're growling at you and then you get close enough to see that their leg is actually caught in a trap and then you understand and then instantly you feel this loving compassion towards them like of course they're growling at me they're in pain they're hurting their leg is caught in a trap so those are uh, three examples that you can understand how to that switching your thoughts can happen really quickly. Now, I'm not saying that this always happens very quickly. I'm just trying to help you see in with real examples the power that changing your thoughts have on making uh, on changing you and the way you actually feel about a situation. Okay, so that's thinking about other people. I want you to just focus a little bit on yourself for a bit and love for yourself. And sometimes we get caught in this feeling of, okay, I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not, um, I'm not really lovable right now. You're not liking anything about yourself. There's this wrong. There's that wrong. You don't, you know, you don't look right. You're not the right weight. You're, you're, you, you know, said something embarrassing at a party, all of these things. Now, what I want you to think about is think about yourself as a baby, just born. Or think about any baby who's just born and they haven't accomplished anything. They, in fact, they cry, they can't take care of themselves. They are totally dependent on another person and they are hundred percent lovable and worthy. They haven't accomplished anything in this world yet. And they are still loved. And you may bring up the example, if this has happened to you, like what if you had a parent who had you and then gave you up for adoption? Or, or what if, um, you know, you had parents that didn't do a great job. They, they didn't really show you that much love in, in your opinion, in your, um, thinking about them, but that doesn't change your lovability or your value and your worthiness as a human being. That only says something about the other person's capacity to love you. Just you being here is proof and evidence that you are a hundred percent worthy and you have a hundred percent like value. You don't have to prove your worth to anybody in this, in this world. Okay. You, because you're here, 
you're worthy, 100% worthy, full stop, no questions asked. Now, doing this work, you may not believe it right away, and it is a practice. So I just invite you to think about that. You can even think about it first with your own child. When they were born, if you have, well, I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, if you have children or if you got um, adopted a child or came into um, to be a caregiver for a child or an infant and somebody handed them to you, put them in your arms and they had not accomplished a single thing and you just loved them immediately because you had loving thoughts about them and the same can be applied uh, to yourself. So remember that it's a skill and unlearning and relearning old ways we have been handed and taught is something to practice. And this, again, I'll reiterate is that we increase our love ability and our skill by practicing with ourselves and with our teenagers. So we all need more love and definitely not less. And Withholding love from ourselves and the ones we have been tasked with caring for does nothing to improve a situation. So when we withhold love from other people, we really are withholding it from ourselves. And the best example, again, this is from our coach training, but um, Brooke Castillo, she is the, the owner or founder of the Life Coach School, and she gave this example or just kind of posed this question is like when you are like not actively not loving somebody like when you are withholding love and you're like I can't stand what they did I can't stand what they said do they actually know about it like do you call them up and then say to them I'm not loving you right now like you may do that you could do that if possible but a lot of times we're not loving somebody but what it is doing is making us feel worse because by actually withholding love from other people we're really withholding our love from ourselves so when you're not loving on somebody then they usually don't even know about it um you can withhold love from somebody and that will impact you in a negative way. So how do we do this? I've talked about a few things to think about already, but I want to leave you with some questions you can ask yourself. So number one, think of someone who is challenging for you to love and think of how you could have loving thoughts about that person. And what are your thoughts about this person that prevents you from loving them more? And what conditions have you put on loving this person? Such as they should, you know, take out the trash and love it every time I ask them to. And that will show that they love me. So just kind of think of the the ways that you are attributing to reasons why they're not loving you right now. And ask, is that really true? So an example is if they blank, like I just said, then I would love and accept them. So, and what does it feel like in your body when you've chosen not to love somebody? Like, really, what does that feel like? Does that feel good to you? Do you like your reasons for that? And what would it actually be like to love this person without any conditions? Like, we think about not having to change somebody and just uh, loving them anyway, as they are. 
okay doesn't mean there's not things that annoy us about other people and we absolutely would want everybody to comply with how we want them to be that would make life a lot easier maybe not sure so um and how is unconditional love different from love and how does it serve you so these are some questions to think about and this work is so important such an important foundation to remember that the prime focus or when we're picking things that we do or don't do when we're making decisions about what we let our kids do and not do um, we do it from a place of love instead of from a place of fear anger you know all those other places we don't want to make decisions from that and also I want to add that when you're doing things from a place of love that is not the same as just saying yes to everything sometimes the most loving thing you can do for somebody is to say no and say look I really love you and this is the reason I'm saying no to this thing that you're wanting to do because i it's not the best thing for you or I believe it's not the best thing for you and I'm doing this right now because I love you so saying uh, doing things from a place of love definitely does not mean that we just say yes to everything everything's okay nothing bothers us or anything like that always do things from a place of love always make your choices and decisions from a place of love that will lead you to better choices and decisions that you make for yourself. So when you make choices and decisions from a place of love for yourself and your own, um, your own life and your own value and hundred percent value of your worthiness. And also when you're dealing with other people making choices from a hundred percent love for them, then your decisions will be way better decisions I promise you okay so I'm going to leave it there for the love talk and we will talk about it again because it's such a big topic and we will come back to it but the next overview is for what M stands for and that is managing emotions which kind of brings everything all together is if we can become good emotional managers this is where we do the work on ourselves we manage our own emotions we can't manage other people's emotions but we can manage our own emotions and then that way when we have good emotional management then that makes our capacity to deal with other people so much greater okay thanks for listening talk to you next time bye